This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Oh my goodness, yes, yes, yes. So grateful. And our topic today, as Spirit has given it, is seeing ourselves correctly. Seeing ourselves correctly. Oh, what a great way to start the year here with these topics. I'm loving it. Loving it. All right, let's begin as we always do with a blessing and a prayer. So I take that breath of love and gratitude, place my hands on my heart and wholeheartedly declare myself willing to see myself correctly wholeheartedly willing to see my brothers and sisters correctly, for to see anyone correctly is to see everyone correctly. We are grateful to open our hearts and minds to the truth, to consciously go the other way and discard anything that is false that we have an attachment to. We're calling for a healing at all levels mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationships, finances, circumstances of all kinds. We are grateful to clear away the misperceptions and the projections and to anchor ourselves into the truth that is our liberation, sharing the benefits with all we allow it to be, to unfold, and to fully be made manifest, so it is. Amen. 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 <sighs> yeah, seeing ourselves correctly. So seeing the perfection, seeing the wholeness, seeing the beauty, being willing to see all of this. One of the things for sure that I've come to realize after more than two decades as a spiritual counselor, plus my own experience, of course, of life, is that the vast majority of people, I would say 99.9999% of people, have issues of self-love, self-worth, self-acceptance. And it is the biggest plague upon humanity is this idea that we are not enough, that there is something lacking. Of course, foundational to the ego thought system is the belief in lack and limitation. That's what separation is. It's a belief in lack and limitation. Same thing. 
not different things, same thing. So when we see ourselves as lacking in any way, as not enough, when we are attacking ourselves or our brothers and sisters, seeing them as lacking, we are attacking ourselves and we are also attacking our creator. And so when we continuously reaffirm our belief in lack and limitation, our belief in not enoughness, then we are affirming the false beliefs of I'm a body, I'm not enough, I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy, something's wrong with me, I'm bad, and the list goes on and on, and it's all made up. None of it is true. Regardless of what's been done to us and regardless of what we have done, it's still not true. Our perfection, our wholeness, our magnificence is always intact. We can recognize it in ourselves or not, and we can see it reflected back to us in our brothers and sisters or not. But if we choose to accept the truth and stop reinvesting in the false, then we are going to experience the peace of God, which has been there all along. And that is our salvation. Peace is our salvation. So uh, as I was thinking about this topic it's, it really is about how to get back to loving ourselves, accepting ourselves, and to give up attacking ourselves and condemning ourselves and criticizing ourselves, shaming ourselves, etc. It's, uh, it's very addictive. It's very, very sticky. And that is the whole point. It's the whole point, right? I mean... To me, this experience that we're having in this world, it's an adventure, like uh, a live action video game that we're experiencing. And when we have a breakthrough, we move to a higher vibration, we could say, or a higher level, we could say, with more clarity, more peace, more love, more joy. And then we can have another breakthrough, move to a higher level. And every time we move to a higher level, we experience different challenges or sometimes the same challenges differently. So, for instance, I experience some of the same challenges, as I'm sure you do too, uh, over and over again, but they, they don't bother me anymore. And, oh, here's a perfect example that happened last week to me, um, or the week before. I was up in my family's main house, and I was packing to leave to go to Lisa Natoli and Bill Free's house for a couple of days and then come home to Vermont. So uh, I had gotten up at 5 o'clock in the morning and was just packing and doing things to take care of the house, and one of the things I did was to make some coffee for myself. I make a, a sort of a half-calf coffee. And um, I, 
I, I hope I can explain this. I have to write a blog about this and put the picture in it, which I will do. If, in case you don't know, I write daily inspiration. I call it my daily shot of spiritual espresso. And I, uh, in addition to the written content, I record a prayer every day. And it's free. You can sign up for it at jenniferhadley.com on the blog page. So jenniferhadley.com forward slash blog. Anyway, so um, the coffee maker, I forget what kind you call this. It's a kind of a drip. It's a fancy drip uh, that has a cone um, thing in it. So I had forgotten to, after I washed the thing that holds the filter, I forgot to put it back in the machine. So there was still a receptacle that I could put a filter in, but it wasn't the proper one. And so uh, when I, after I made the coffee, I pulled the carafe out from under it, the filter fell right through, filled with coffee, liquid and grounds. And it went all over the counter. And the entire counter was covered in coffee and grounds. It was like an explosion. <laughs> it went everywhere. And when it happened, it startled me. So I went, oh, like that. And uh, But then I just looked at it, took it in waiting to see really what my mind wanted to think about this, what my personality wanted to think about this, where was I with this. And I had so much that I was doing that day. And I looked at it. Nothing came. And I just smiled because I didn't make meaning of it. I wasn't bothered or upset, although it was clearly a fantastic mess to clean up. I was at peace about it. I was startled when it, it kind of exploded, but then I wasn't bothered by it. So that right there, that peace of God, which is unbotherable. Now, it's not 100%. For me, 100%, 100% of the time, for sure. I'm always honest about that. And however, those kinds of moments, while it was a big mess to clean up, it was a victory. It was a victory to be unbothered, to be unbothered, to be in touch with my feelings and to notice I had no emotional reaction to it because I was not giving it any negative meaning whatsoever. I was only seeing it correctly. Something that happened, it's of no consequence. I clean it up, it doesn't matter. So to me, that is helpful. That is healing. That is me recognizing that all is well. And there, there is the peace of God right there. And so for me, my practice of self-love includes 
the practice of being non-judgmental. And non-judgmental isn't just turning away from the judgments. It isn't just freeing my mind of the complaints and the the taking offense and all that meaning-making and interpretation. But it's also a practice of stillness in the mind. So this is one of the things that I really notice now because my mind used to chatter and chatter and chatter and chatter constantly. And I remember the first time I went to a meditation retreat, silent meditation retreat with Michael Beckwith, which I I did those once or twice a year for 10 years, um, and I loved it. I don't think he does it quite the same now, but it was really three days of three, four days of silence when he used to do it. And I just loved it. And yet, especially in the beginning, my mind, I would be sitting there in a room with a hundred people. Everybody's silent. Everybody's got their eyes closed. Everybody's quiet and still. And my mind was going, I mean, it was just laughable to, you know, monkey mind is the perfect definition of what I was experiencing. And I remember thinking at that time, this is great because I am starting at a place where there's zero stillness, zero non-judgment. It's all judgment, and it won't last because I will prevail. I will prevail, Uh, meaning I, the I am that I am, will prevail. So, and, and, and that is what I'm experiencing now. It's a victory. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. For years, that was my chant when I would have experiences like, let's say, with a coffee maker, where it explodes all over the counter and makes this very obvious mess, this dripping dark liquid all over the place, on a white counter, by the way. Or I guess, is the counter white? Yes, it's white. So it really stood out. I'll have to definitely write a blog about this and put the picture in. So... Uh, to be able to have no reaction. Now, other things can happen that are much smaller, and there's a reaction that I have where I I go, because I, I know I had one of those I can remember yesterday where I was just trying to get something out of the drawer, and the drawer was sticking, and I just went, ugh. And I felt like the drawer, for a moment, that the drawer was against me. And I reckon, because I, when I had that moment of, uh, I asked myself, what is that about, that feeling of, uh, what is it actually about? And it's the feeling that life is against me, the drawer is against me. And then I can quickly realize of course, the drawer is not against me. Of course, life is not against me. Everything is for me, and everything works together for my good. Everything is helpful, including the sticky drawer that doesn't want to open. 
And that is a practice of self-love. So it takes a willingness to be present in the moment to what am I thinking, what am I feeling. So many times, more often than not, our feelings will point towards the thought. So the thought is what is producing the feeling. And yet if we don't, if we just experience the feeling and don't pay attention to the thought, we are going to miss the opportunity to heal the belief that's producing the thought and the feeling. And we're about the healing. So just feeling those feelings. So that's what I did yesterday when the drawer was giving me a hard time. I took a breath, felt my feelings, and I asked the simple question, what is this feeling about? Not justifying it, not arguing with it, not making it right or wrong. It just is. I can be neutral about even my feelings. Not always, but most of the time now, I can be neutral about those things. So being neutral, what is it about? I ask that question of my self, my higher self, the wisdom center. I'm just becoming present to what's going on. And when I say I ask the question, I can honestly say that my practice of inquiry, that's what I think of this as, um, and to me, this is what I love about A Course in Miracles. It's a constant inquiry. What's really going on? What's really going on? What's really going on? Because we blame the world for our thoughts, our feelings, our experience, but it's never the world. It's always coming from within. And so if we'd like to have a healing, we have to recognize that that is the truth of it. And so taking that moment to look within what I find now, just again, being truthful, I don't ask the question. It's all so much faster than that because it's, I don't need to think of the words and articulate the words. So I'm saying I'm inquiring what's going on, but it's really just that pause, the pause that is for the purpose of looking for the words now, the pause that is me being aware of what is occurring within my experience. So within my, I'll say my mind or my awareness, that I am simply noticing, okay, there's a thought there, there's a belief there that the drawer is against me, that life is hard. So then I'm noticing that, okay, there is still some belief that life is hard or that life is against me. And it's showing up as the difficulty with the drawer. Because the biggest mistake that I think the majority of spiritual students make 
is we still continue, and spiritual teachers, of course, every spiritual teacher has to be a spiritual student before they have anything to share, right? So we still fall into the hole of life is happening to us rather than as us. It's just a common thing. We step in that hole of being a victim of the world and thinking that this is what's happening to us. But since there is nothing outside of us, and this is my theme this year as given to me by spirit, and I'm so excited for a masterful living, which begins Monday, January 22nd. Yes, 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 yes. I'm so excited for a year this year, really diving deep into there's nothing outside of us and taking full responsibility for our experience. When we do this, it is so profoundly healing. It is the greatest act of self-love. It might not seem like it, but it is absolutely the greatest act of self-love. So... It's interrupting all of those thoughts, all of the attack thoughts. And I was looking up in the course, uh, and uh, what I was uh, drawn to for today's uh, episode is from Chapter 12, and it's Section 3, which is entitled, The Investment in Reality. And just that title alone really sparks me because one of the things that I can say has been very helpful to me that I was guided to do by spirit is, and by spirit I mean that higher Holy Spirit self, not separate from me, but my own true awareness, my individual experience of God that's in my awareness, I began to really focus in my life, in my practice, in my mind, in recognizing that that which is eternal is real. And nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. And Being willing to accept that fully as the truth has been a tremendous help for me in giving up the false. So recognizing that everything that is of time and space is not real, is not permanent. So I am not of time and space, but I am real, I am permanent, I am eternal. That practice of constantly going back to what is my true nature is deeply healing in terms of how I experience myself, how I see myself, how I know myself. So the greatest way to see ourselves correctly is to anchor into the truth day after day, again and again, forever and ever, reminding ourselves of the truth. The truth sets us free. The truth shatters 
the illusion. And that's why we hear a truth statement and we know, oh my gosh, that's real. What I have been thinking is not true. So in, in this section three entitled The Investment in Reality, it begins with, and I love this too so much, I once asked you to sell all you have and give to the poor and follow me. I always love that story about Jesus and the, the rich young man. I once asked you to sell all you have and give to the poor and follow me. This is what I meant, colon. If you have no investment in anything in this world, you can teach the poor where their treasure is. The poor are merely though those who have invested wrongly and they are poor indeed because they are in need and it is given you to help them since you are among them, meaning you, you also are poor in, in some ways because you have an investment in this world and because you are walking around in this world. You believe in this world. So consider how perfectly your lesson would be learned if you were unwilling to share their poverty, for poverty is lack and there is but one lack since there is but one need. So what is that one lack? That one lack is the lack of truth and instead valuing that which is not valuable rather than valuing the truth. That is the one lack. And it shows up as every kind of lack we have. It is the experience of separation because of the belief in separation. All belief in separation produces a sense of lack and limitation. And so the antidote to that is always going to be the truth. We are eternal, infinite, one with God, now and forever, inextricably. <laughs> All right, so we got that far. Yes, before our break here. I'm so grateful to share with you. Remember, you can sign up for my blog. You can sign up for Master Living, everything good at JenniferHadley.com. I'll be right back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And welcome back. So we're... Looking at our self-identity and seeing ourselves correctly, knowing ourselves as pure spirit, as perfect. And we are looking at chapter 12, section 3, the investment in reality. 
And it begins with, I once asked you to sell all you have and give to the poor and follow me. This is what I meant, colon. If you have no investment in anything in this world, you can teach the poor where their treasure is. And the poor are merely those who have invested wrongly, and they are poor indeed. And because they are in need, it is given you to help them since you are among them. Consider how perfectly your lesson would be learned if you were unwilling to share their poverty. For poverty is lack, and there is but one lack, since there is but one need. So the one lack is that lack of clarity, the lack of truth in our awareness. So here, if you have no investment in anything in this world, you can teach the poor where their treasure is. And Jesus says all throughout A Course in Miracles, our treasure is in our heart. The kingdom is within. It's that connection to our divinity, to our true identity, to our true nature. So A Course in Miracles is 100% a journey from identifying with the body, with the personality, to remembering we are not our personality. We have one, but we are not that because the personality's not a thing. It's not real. It's not eternal. It's not infinite. We're also not a body, which because it's not infinite. It's not eternal. It's not real. The personality and the body are vehicles that we use to experience the illusion. They're not bad. They are learning devices. And our journey is to remember what we truly are, whose we truly are. And we can make that a long journey or we can make it a swift journey. We've been at this a long time. This is what I say. We've been at this a long, long time. And like the prodigal son returning home, we are on the journey home. And so the prodigal son, you remember, he squandered his inheritance, having experiences in the world. That's We've done that. Uh, the prodigal son ends up Tending pigs, which for a young Jewish man would be the worst of the worst, like it doesn't get any worse than that. And he's tending to the pigs one day, feeding them, and he realizes, I could go home to my father's house and be a servant there, and I'd be better off than I am here. And it's that insight, that aha, that realization of truth that propels him, that gives him the energetic, magnetic impulse to return home. We, you and I, have that impulse to return home. Otherwise, we would be interested in something entirely of this world. We would certainly 
have zero interest in A Course in Miracles. But we're on the way home. And A Course in Miracles is very clear that our way is different because we're saving time. In other words, we are skipping over all kinds of lessons by practicing A Course in Miracles. It's a practical application of truth. That's what the workbook lessons are. That's what these teachings are. So that's why in my programs, we really focus on that practical application of truth because it's been shown to be and demonstrated to be for for the last 15 years or so, 16 years, 17 years, that this works. This is a method to propel us to awakening, and it works. So, But we have to actually live these teachings and not just study them in order to have that experience. And the temptation to set it aside to make things of this world more important is very, very tempting. And there's this long-held belief that somehow if we follow our heart to our spiritual truths and identity in spirit, that we're going to end up having to give up so many things that there's going to be all kinds of sacrifices. We're going to have to take vows of poverty and chastity. We're going to have to leave our friends and family behind and go into seclusion or take vows of silence. But see, that's not now. In fact, now what we're being called to do is to be that living demonstration of joy, of peace, of harmony, of clarity, of wisdom, of lightheartedness, of compassion and love, deep love, and fully enjoying life. I mean, I think of, I've traveled with so many Course in Miracles teachers, and my experience of them generally is, we're enjoying life. I think of David Hoffmeister and he's making ice cream protein shakes literally for breakfast because he likes it. Chocolate ice cream with protein powder. I mean, this was a long time ago. I don't know what he's doing for breakfast now, but it doesn't matter. But he's not denying himself what he enjoys. That's what I saw. I, I uh, just spent the weekend with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free. Lisa's all about, let's find a, a new delicious cake. Let's enjoy things. And we are. We're enjoying these things. But that's not what our life is about. It's not about the sensual pleasures. But we can enjoy all the sensual pleasures. Not having to live a life of sacrifice and deprivation. That's such an old belief, and it's very, very strong. It's like the belief that um, money corrupts. Money, it has no power. 
It seems as though it has power. It seems as though it corrupts. But power in this world can only corrupt people who are corruptible. It's like you can't annoy and anger and frustrate someone who's not buying into whatever you're selling. It's that thing that Wayne Dyer was famous for saying, I don't know if he made it up or he got it from someone, but you know, when you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. When we squeeze you, what do we get? So that's the thing. I, I know for me, when I started this work, if you squeezed me, you would get anger and, and really uh, all kinds of things. And now I hope if you squeeze me, you would get compassion, kindness. Maybe not 100% of the time, but more often than not. And that's a huge change in my life. And it came 100% from being willing to see what is my true identity, seeing myself correctly, not a body, not a personality, but that I am pure spirit, just like Jesus is pure spirit, just like Mother Mary is pure spirit, or Kuan Yin, or Buddha, Muhammad, Krishna, everyone, 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 we're all pure spirit. And we're all part of that same pure spirit. The one appearing as many. And so clinging to that truth has really helped me in my journey of awakening. It's really, really helped me. This is the thing that I find is true about the truth. It's like smelling salts that wake you up, that Break the illusion. And so valuing the truth can be part of our spiritual practice. And every time that we're feeling discordant, upset, bothered, we are believing something that's not the truth. I know I say that multiple times in every episode of this podcast because I just know that it, sometimes we have to hear things a thousand or more times before our willingness reaches the point where we go, oh, I get it now. I've heard it a thousand times and I just got it. And that, that was my experience. I'd heard things thousands of times. I had said them and taught them, but I wasn't living as though I believed it. And so... studying the science of mind for a decade uh, before coming to A Course Miracles really helped me, but still, until I really began doing the practice of non-judgment, the practice of forgiveness, the practice, the active practice of compassion, it wasn't until that real dedication to that mental practice day in and day out all day long so not sitting in a chair for 15 minutes or half an hour an hour yeah I mean all that's great that that inspires me to practice and reminds me to practice the rest of the day now I don't need to do that to remember I'm 
I'm totally integrated it into every minute of my day. And, but that took me years to do. Best thing I ever did, smartest thing I ever did, most fruitful and beneficial thing I ever did was to really learn to practice A Course in Miracles and to value it so much that I had to practice it. I couldn't bear not to. And most of us, it is a journey to let go of our habitual thinking. But so much can fall away in an instant when we're truly willing. And sometimes when life smacks us up against the wall or throws us on the floor, crushes our face in the mud, that's the thing that catapults us into there has to be a better way. But it doesn't have to be that way. I'm not interested in learning in that way ever, ever again. So if you have no investment in anything in this world, then you can teach the poor where their treasure is. Having no investment in anything in this world. Wow. Wow. I can see where people would read this and think, I, that is a big ask. And it's like the story of the rich man who wanted to go with Jesus, the young rich man. Jesus said, give everything to the poor, meet us at the edge of the town, and you'll come with us. And I always say, you just know that young man was like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now let's just think this through, (laughs) right? Because we have such a strong attachment to our identity as the rich man, as the person who owns this house, as the person who has a size eight figure, or as the person who has the use of my arms and legs, or as the person who's an artist, or the person who's famous, or the person who's um, talented, or beautiful, or tall, or strong, or whatever it might be, we get so strongly identified with it, and we don't recognize that when something threatens that, now Christopher Reeve, the Superman, big, tall, strong, dark, tall, dark, handsome man, now he's not that anymore. He's not, he can't play Superman from, uh, as a quadriplegic. He's still the same person, but now there are new opportunities for him, new exploration for him. And to me, when someone has an experience like that, like a degenerative illness or the sudden death of a child or a spouse, things like that. When those kinds of things happen and the life gets upended, there's um, bankruptcy, all these kinds of things that we deal with in this world. When it's sudden and dramatic, to me, we put that in our script to help us break with the ego identity, 
and to start to value what is truly valuable. Some people fight it. Some people go with it. Either way, it's an exploration in awakening. It's not a very common thing that people say, oh, you know what I'd like to do? I would like to have an identity crisis. (laughs) I would like to be absolutely freaked out because my identity is threatened. When our identity is threatened, it is extremely intense most of the time. At least I felt it to be so. And those challenges, those identity challenges, which I can barely remember anymore, were so threatening to me. I was so frightened, so terrified for various reasons. Just all, each one of them, the, the threat is I'm, I'm not good. I'm never going to be good. I'm not lovable. I'm never going to be lovable. I'm bad. Everybody's going to know I'm bad. Everybody's going to know I'm not a good person. Everybody's going to know I'm stupid. Uh, I'm incompetent. Uh, I'll never be able to achieve my dreams. These are the, the stuff of panic attacks and hospitalization. Uh, the, the, it can go so deep and it can make us so sick. And it can propel us into all manner of dysfunction and hiding and running away, et cetera, et cetera. It's extremely, can be extremely debilitating because it's so threatening to our identity. However, we can, in the midst of those experiences, just go immediately to that higher Holy Spirit self, which really, in essence, is reaching for our true identity. And that reaching for our true identity, the willingness to recall, to remember, to recognize, to value our true identity, is a profound healing that we can have. But we have to be willing to let go of the false identity and not try to shore it up, right? So that's what he's talking about when he's saying, if you have no investment in this world, well, we all have an investment in this world, meaning, not meaning like, oh, I own this house, so that's my investment. No, we have an investment in our identity within our life experience, so we need to recognize what does not matter. But to, to us, it matters that we can pay our bills. It matters that we don't get foreclosed on. It, it matters that we own our home. It matters that our body is healthy. All of these things matter to us. And what we're being invited to do is to see them correctly to see them correctly. Because I I think if we ask people, like if you ask me, don't care about your stuff. Well, I, I could walk away from everything. I don't think it would be easy to walk away from my companions, Bodhi and Sattva, my dog and my cat. But if, if I had to walk away at a moment's notice from everything 
the contents of the house that I rent, so in other words, all my stuff, I wouldn't have a big problem with that. I really wouldn't. I'd just say, can I just pack my clothes? I don't want to have to be buying new clothes and figuring all that out. I've already got clothes. Let me take those with me. Um, I, but the stuff in the house, include, which includes my grandmother's wedding china, my grandparents' wedding china, and um, artwork made by my friends, and, um, oh, I don't know, I can't even, you know, just artwork that I, I like, that I, I really enjoy, and things that aren't easily replaceable, but it's just stuff, it's like, um, it has nothing whatsoever to do with what I am, or who I am, I remember years ago, when Marie Kondo, the clearing the clutter lady, uh, was so popular and people were talking about her all the time uh, and they were saying, oh, the essence is all you do is you look at these things in your home and if it brings you joy, keep it. If it doesn't bring you joy, let it go. And I thought, well, then I have to let everything go because there's absolutely not one object in my house that brings me joy. I enjoy using my pots and pans and making a meal. I enjoy using my dishes. I enjoy seeing my friend's artwork on the walls, etc. I enjoy the decor in my house, but it doesn't bring me joy. The things of this world don't bring me joy. I experience momentary happiness through them, but that's not joy. Not to me anyway. Joy is part of my spiritual nature. So if it makes me happy, keep it. But even that, to say it makes me happy, does it make me happy? I don't think it does. I don't think things can make me happy. But how I think about them will shift how I feel about things, and happiness can come from that, from how I think about things. So when I'm willing to recognize that what I am is pure spirit, having a human experience, so classic, right? A spiritual being having a human experience, and that is the truth of it. And that everything in this world, like Las Vegas, everything in this world stays in this world. So I don't have to feel guilty or ashamed. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of any wrong decision. And I'm running out of time here. I just want to get to this one little bit here. To identify, this is paragraph six now, to identify with the ego is to attack yourself and make yourself poor. That is why everyone who identifies with the ego feels deprived. And that is the essence of depression, deprivation. You feel deprived. That is what causes deprivation, according to Jesus in A Course in Miracles. What he experiences then is depression or anger because what he did was to exchange self-love 
for self-hate, making him afraid of himself. He does not realize this. Even if he's fully aware of anxiety, he does not perceive its source as his own ego identification. And he always tries to handle it by making some sort of insane arrangement with the world. He always perceives this world as outside of himself, for this is crucial to his adjustment. He does not realize he makes this world, for it, there is no world outside of him. So this is how we start to see ourselves correctly. I am not a body. I have one. I'm not a personality. I have one. I'm to care for my body, and I am to bring my personality to the light, bring the darkness to the light. And all of this can be done because I am not on my own. I am one with pure spirit now and forever. I am pure spirit now and forever. And so it's the willingness to recognize I am perfect. I am perfection. I'm willing to remember what's true and discard which, that which is false. Boom, end of story. <laughs> if you'd really like to practice this this year, come and join me in Masterful Living. We are so on it this year, and I'm excited for what is unfolding. I'm excited for what we are capable of. I'm excited for the beauty, the perfection, and the wholeness that we are being revealed. Yes, yes, yes. So grateful to place my hand on my heart, to know the truth and value the truth, and know that we are already free. Sharing the benefits with all, we let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs>